There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to a history of Europe, key battles. The French Wars of Religion, 1562 to 1598, part four of four. Last week I told of the infamous St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre. 1572, a mass killing of Protestants which started in the royal court but spread throughout France. Afterwards, strict controls were enforced by King Charles IX on potential rebels. Two of the most troublesome nobles were killed by being confined to the royal court. One was Henry of Navarre, now head of the House of Bourbon, who was feigning a show of Catholic allegiance in order to keep his life. The other was the younger brother of King Henry, who had been born with the name of Hercule, but changed his name to Francis in honour of his late brother Francis II of France, when he was confirmed. Francis, as I will refer to him, was heir to the throne, while the king had no issue. He was ambitious and loved adventure, but lacked talent or good sense. The Fourth Civil War between 1572 and 1573 was quite brief and involved mainly Catholic sieges of some Protestant towns. The end of hostilities was brought on by the Edict of Boulogne, signed in July 1573, which severely curtailed many of the rights previously granted to French Protestants. Based on the terms of the treaty, all Huguenots were granted amnesty for their past actions and the freedom of belief. However, they were permitted the freedom to worship only within the three towns of La Rochelle, Montauban and Nîmes, and even then only within their own residences. Elsewhere, they were granted only freedom of conscience. Such a settlement had no more chance of lasting longer than any previous one. The Fifth Civil War of 1574 to 1576, in which actually hardly a shot was fired, was also relatively brief. It was triggered by the death of King Charles IX by tuberculosis at the age of only 23. Catherine de' Medici declared herself as regent, pending the turn of her son, Henry, who the year before had become King of Poland. Henry III, as he became, took his time returning to France, and when he did arrive seemed more interested in reorganising his council and the etiquette of his court than in dealing with a Protestant uprising. In 
Past historians are highly critical of Henry III for surrounding himself with young male favourites and condoning their scandalous behaviour, which often spilled out into the streets of Paris. The extravagance of his court seemed inappropriate at a time of economic hardship, and his popularity was not helped by the heavy taxes he imposed on his subjects. In his defence, R.J. Connect writes that Henry was an intelligent ruler who showed a lively interest in intellectual matters and in reforming legislation. In September 1575, Henry's younger brother Francis slipped away at court, where he had been kept under surveillance and set about raising an army. His motives are unclear. He probably intended to join up with the Huguenots, but lacking resources of his own to achieve much, soon made a truce with his mother, who managed to defuse the situation. She could not prevent, however, an invasion of eastern France by German mercenaries who had allied with the Huguenots. Another escapee from the French court in February 1576 was Henry of Navarre, who promptly reverted to the Protestant faith which he had been forced to abjure in 1572. Henry III found himself powerless in the face of a strong Protestant force and was compelled to make a new agreement on the 5th of May 1576. The Edict of Beaulieu, also known as the Peace of Monsieur, for the first time allowed the Huguenots free public exercise of their religion. They were permitted to own and build churches and allowed to openly take up positions of power. In addition, the agreement conceded an autonomous government to southern France that already existed in practice over the previous year. All this caused widespread indignation among Catholics, who viewed the edict as a treacherous capitulation to the hated Huguenots. They got together in a group known as the Catholic League, and supported by the Spanish, resisted the implementation of the new settlement. The Sixth Civil War, between 1576 and 1577, followed almost immediately after the Fifth, as open conflict broke out once again between the Catholics and the Protestants. While the Catholic faction had the unwavering support of the Spanish crown, the Huguenots had the advantage of a strong power base in the southwest. They were also discreetly supported by foreign Protestant governments, but in practice, England or the German states could provide few troops in the ensuing conflict. In 1577, Henry III rescinded most of the concessions that he had made to the Protestants in the Edict of Beaulieu, marking the end of the Sixth War, but not to the wider conflict. Henry III and Catherine de' Medici attempted to enforce what was left of the Edict, but met stubborn resistance from both sides. Many Catholic officials in the provinces refused to enforce it, and most French Protestants did not trust the monarchy given the legacy of St Bartholomew's Day. Henry simply lacked the authority to impose his will on his subjects, nor to maintain peace for any extended period. The Protestant pattern of resistance to the crown made them rebels as well as heretics to many French Catholics, while the Protestants did not trust the monarchy enough to willingly disarm. The years 1578 to 1580 saw a series of peasant revolts throughout France, brought about as much by the economic impact of 15 years of civil war and oppression from local lords than because of religious differences. The same years saw one more burst of civil war, 
the so-called Seventh French War of Religion, where Henry of Navarre made his first impact militarily by capturing the southern town of Cahors. The latest conflict was ended with another peace settlement, much like the previous. Meanwhile, the king's restless brother, Francis, now with the title of Duke of Anjou, continued to cause mischief, in particular by helping Dutch Protestant rebels in their resistance against Spanish rule. France and Spain had been rivals ever since the times of Francis I and Charles V. So Henry and Catherine were tempted to support the Dutch rebels and help them free themselves from Spanish rule. Yet this was tempered at the same time by their fear of reprisals from Philip II of Spain, should their support be too open or public. Philip, as an ardent Catholic, already supported his co-religionists in France and urged the French leaders to resist in every possible way that, as he saw it, Protestant heretics. The question of succession to the French crown became critical when in June 1584 the king's younger brother, the Duke of Anjou, died of tuberculosis. Henry III had no son and seemed unlikely to ever have one. And so, in a remarkable series of circumstances, all four sons of King Henry II, including three successive kings, had failed to produce an heir to the throne, and the Valois male line was in danger of extinction. Francis, Duke of Anjou, had been reckless, but it had at least represented the prospect of a Catholic succession on the death of his brother. This now meant that Henry of Navarre, once more openly a Protestant, would succeed as king on Henry III's death. Philip of Spain was determined to stop this happening, and so collaborated with the House of Guise. Together they worked on the campaign to deny the right of Henry of Navarre to the throne, and supported instead his Catholic uncle, the aged Cardinal of Bourbon. Pope Sixtus V duly cooperated by excommunicating Henry of Navarre to try and delegitimize his claim. The death of Francis, Duke of Anjou, triggered the eighth and final of the civil wars. This would last for more than a decade and prove to be the longest, costliest and most violent of all the French wars of religion. In the summer of 1587, an army of German mercenaries crossed the border into eastern France to aid the Huguenots, as they had done a decade earlier. The Catholic League immediately assembled one army to confront them, and another to prevent Henry of Navarre's troops from joining them. The Catholics lost the first battle, but then came back, and by early 1588 were clearly in the ascendancy. The embattled French king now seemed to have completely lost control of the situation, caught as he was between the Protestants on one side and the Catholic League on the other. Events came to a head on the 12th of May, 1588, in the so-called Day of the Barricades. This started when Henry III, attempting to control the influence of the Catholic League, declared its leader, Henry, Duke of Guise, banned from entering Paris. Guise ignored the ban and came to the capital and the French court of the Louvre anyway. During the night of 11th of May, Henry deployed Swiss and French troops into the streets of the capital, allegedly to arrest the supporters of Guise. Crowds of angry Parisians who were overwhelmingly Catholic rose in support of the League, 
and threw up barricades to block Henry's troops. Feeling an angry mob was about to descend on the king's palace, Henry decided to flee the capital. The humiliated king retreated to his palace at Broa and plotted his revenge. On the 23rd of December, 1588, at the Chateau of Blois, he invited the Duke of Guise to the council chamber. The unsuspecting Duke arrived, but when waiting in the royal antechamber, was brutally murdered by Henry's bodyguard. Next day, the Cardinal of Guise was also murdered, while other prominent leaguers and members of the Guise family were thrown into prison. Henry tried to justify his actions by claiming that the Guises had planned his deposition and death, but this was not believed. The Duke of Guise had been very popular in France among the Catholic community, and on hearing of his murder there was a spontaneous uprising, especially strong in Paris, where preachers took to the streets, crying out for revenge. Pope Sixtus V was especially concerned about the cold-blooded murder of a cardinal and summoned Henry to Rome to explain his conduct under threat of excommunication. Meanwhile, a new administration was set up by the League in Paris in opposition to the king and was supported by all major Catholic cities in the country except for Lyon. When, on the 5th of January, 1589, the king's mother, Catherine de' Medici, died, Henry III was left completely isolated. He badly needed an ally, but reconciliation with the League was unthinkable, so he turned to the least worst option, the leader of the Protestants, Henry of Navarre. In April, the two men signed a truce, and combining their armies, marched on Paris. While laying siege to the capital, a young Dominican friar, Jacques Clément, carrying false papers, was granted access to the king. The monk gave the king the bundles of paper and stated that he had a secret message to deliver. The king signalled to his attendants to step back for privacy, but it was a trap. Clément got out a knife and plunged it into the king's abdomen, thus ending the life of the last Valois king of France. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. At first, it was not clear if the king's wounds were fatal, but as his condition deteriorated, Henry called on his supporters to support Henry of Navarre whom he prayed would convert once more to Catholicism before dying the day after the stabbing. Chaos swept the attacking army, most of it quickly melting away. The proposed attack on Paris was postponed. Inside the city, news of Henry III's death was greeted with joy by the crowds of supporters of the League, and some hailed the assassination as an act of God. 
The successor, according to traditional French Salic laws, was clearly Henry of Navarre, although his claims were fiercely rejected by the Catholic League. Fortunately for the Protestants, Henry quickly proved himself both a good general and a charismatic leader of men. Both sides gathered their troops and threw themselves into outright civil war. Given that the heart of Catholic support was in Paris, it was clear that control of the capital was essential. Henry retreated with 12,000 men to Dieppe, where he awaited English reinforcements. With a force ever twice as large, the League attacked his army near the castle at Arc, near the coast of Normandy, on the 21st of September, 1589. However, they failed to dislodge the Protestants from their entrenched positions. The following spring, Henry won a great victory at Ivry. Again, his forces were smaller than those of his opponents, but it took him only an hour to dismiss the Catholics from the field. Another 6,000 supporters of the League lost their lives, and Henry won himself the reputation of a great commander. One extra problem for the Catholics was that it lacked a credible heir to the throne, especially after the death of the Cardinal of Bourbon on the 9th of May, 1590. Thereafter, each faction in the League advanced its own candidate for the throne. Henry laid siege to Paris in the late spring of 1590. Bolstered by his recent victories and 5,000 fresh troops from England, Henry managed to secure all surrounding towns around the capital with the intention of cutting off all supplies. However, the Parisians resisted strongly, and more so when they heard scare stories from the League about atrocities committed against the Catholics in England under Queen Elizabeth. Many were prepared to fight to death rather than accept a Protestant as their monarch. The Catholic League appealed to Philip II of Spain. However, since the defeat of the Armada two years before, in 1588, Philip did not have sufficient forces to help, unless he diverted his army in the Netherlands under the command of the Duke of Parma. Parma argued against such a decision, rightly predicting that the Dutch rebels would be able to launch a successful offensive in the absence of Spanish forces. But Philip was determined that Paris would not fall to Protestant, and ordered Parma to attack Henry. The Spanish army managed to lift the siege, forced Henry back to Normandy, and left a garrison in the city. During the four months of siege, 30,000 Parisians are thought to have died of starvation. War dragged on for the next three years, convincing Henry eventually that the only option if he wanted to take Paris and be crowned king was to convert to Catholicism. As a Protestant, he would always remain divisive, but if he converted, he hoped to persuade the more moderate Catholics away to his side and away from the League. Henry is quoted to have said on making the decision that, quote, Paris is worth a mass, end quote suggesting his conversion was a betrayal of his true beliefs for the sake of winning the capital and the crown. Historians, however, are doubtful that Henry really did ever utter these words. In 1593, to mark his conversion, Henry took Catholic instruction and attended Mass in the Royal Abbey Church of Saint-Denis. The next year he was crowned King Henry IV in Chartres, 
the first of the Bourbon dynasty, who would stay as rulers of France until the revolution of 1789. Henry was clearly winning the war against the Catholic League, who were only kept going thanks to the support of Philip II of Spain. Philip promoted the election of the Spanish infanta Clara Eugenia to the French throne. The claim had some logic, as she was the granddaughter of Henry II, but the French felt little enthusiasm for supporting somebody they saw as a foreign interloper. Even the more devout Catholics began to suspect that Philip was cynically using religion as a cover for an attack on the French state, and chose to get behind Henry. When Henry entered Paris in March 1594, he was met with great enthusiasm. While the king made his way to Notre Dame, the remaining Spanish garrison discreetly left by another gate. It would take a while for Pope Clement VIII to forgive Henry, but after two years he finally brought himself to granting Henry absolution for his earlier lapse from Catholicism. Henry, growing in confidence, with the backing of the majority of his people, declared war on Spain, hoping even for territorial gains. After three years of fighting, a peace between the two countries was declared in 1598. While there is no doubt that Henry's decision to convert to Catholicism was made for political reasons, it was not done cynically. He did so in order to restore order and bring about an end to the fighting, and this he achieved as successfully as anyone could have at the time. He did not forget his former Protestant co-religionists, and once securely in power, set about working on an edict that would grant them their due rights. The Edict of Nantes of 1589 provided for general amnesty for the crimes committed on all sides over the previous decades, in return for loyalty to the Crown. It also allowed freedom of worship for Reformed Protestants, although it still did not put the Huguenot Church on the same footing as the Catholic one. Specified Catholic strongholds, including Paris, were allowed to exclude Protestant worship, so that Protestant churches had to be built outside the walls in the suburbs. What's more, the edict called for the restoration of Catholicism wherever it had been suppressed, and provided for the rebuilding of Catholic churches which had been destroyed, and the opening of monasteries which had been shut. Indeed, there was little in the provisions of the Edict of Nantes that had not been proposed before. But crucially this time, the agreement stuck, at least until a century later, in 1685. King Henry IV earned himself the authority to implement the agreement by strong leadership and by bringing together moderates from both sides. He saved the unity of France by preventing the breakaway of the more Protestant-minded southern regions. Peace also gave France a chance to recover economically from years of fighting and destruction of land and property. Not all problems were solved overnight and there still existed tensions between the two religions. There were still a few extremists, especially on the Catholic side, who would not accept the edict or Henry's right to rule. During his reign there was around one major assassination attempt a year on him, but he survived long enough to consolidate his hold on power and to achieve a long-lasting peace within his kingdom. 
1610, an assassin finally reached him and stabbed him to death in a street in Paris. But by then, Henry had earned himself a reputation as one of the greatest of French kings. Remembered for his geniality and his great concern about the welfare of his subjects, he has the nickname of Good King Henry. My name is Carl Reinhardt, and you've been listening to a History of Europe Key Battles podcast. As always, it's great to hear from you, maybe on the Facebook page of the podcast, or you can write to me directly at carl, that's C-A-R-L, at historyeurope.net. I hope you can join me next time when I'll be talking about the famous conflict between King Philip of Spain and Queen Elizabeth of England, which resulted in the attempted Spanish invasion of England, known as the Spanish Armada. I look forward to speaking to you then. Until then, all the best and goodbye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.